Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the TW2 Rugby Podcast. We have got plenty, plenty to get through today. I see two deceiving faces on my my Zoom call today. I'm joined once again by Imogen Ainsworth and Fergus Mainland. And of course, guys, we're coming together on what normally is our, our Thursday episode, which we, we, we in a jesty way, called the Smorgasbord, where we talk about all things rugby across... <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, there's only one, well, there's actually two, but we'll start with the one big story that broke this morning uh, from Fee Thomas. I'm going to read the tweet that she posted earlier today. Who gives a fuck about women's rugby, said a prominent figure in Irish rugby at a president's dinner last month in Dublin. Players denied protein, horror stories over selection, a special report on the sexism that pervades Irish rugby with a little hashtag in 2023. Um, so obviously this sort of blew up on Twitter earlier today and there was today also a press conference for Ireland announcing their team for the Six Nations later this week and you two attended, Fergus and Imo, take it away. Yeah, I think I think it's first to note that this was supposed to be Ireland's team announcement for their upcoming match um, this weekend against Italy in, in Parma. Uh, but instead, it was Greg McWilliams on trial, effectively, on behalf of the Irish Rugby Union because of the comments, as you said, James, that came out about the bloke who's high up. Uh, I think it, it's important to stress this bloke is high, high up in, in Irish rugby. Obviously, um, he wasn't named in Fees Thomas, but we have it on good authority that he's that he's high up. Yeah, and for the sake of, our, effect, of the legal continuance of the pod, let's let's keep that at a low. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll keep that high up. Um, and to be honest, all talk of teams was thrown out the window after about two minutes of of wondering about all the tactics, about uh, partnerships and whatnot. Um, and I think what was so frustrating is how disappointing some of Greg's responses were um, when it came to supporting his team, standing up for his team, looking out for the best interest of the present and future of Irish women's rugby and almost defending an establishment that is developing or has developed an incredibly toxic culture of not actually respecting and looking out for its... um, it's female rugby players. I think particularly, and I, I can actually say this because this was included in the in the broadcast section of the of the call, so for for immediate use. And when he was asked specifically about um, concerns that he might have about comments that were that allegedly made at the recent rugby dinner about um, no one gives a fuck about women's rugby, he um, he said no, I I haven't got any concerns about it, and that's not me being flippant. That's me just being true to myself and I can't affect what what anybody writes. And I just think that whole sentence there sums up exactly what's going on in Irish rugby at the moment. Not taking seriously the concerns of its female players and actually not looking out for for the team's best interest going forward. I think what frustrated me a lot as well is he didn't really seem to recognise his privilege as a white man, as head coach of the team. And kept saying, oh, I enjoy us being in this position where we're trying to rebuild. I enjoy this. I enjoy that. But clearly, among your players, they're not enjoying not being treated well by the 
the governing body and I don't think you should be sat there saying oh I, I really enjoy it I really enjoy it because that in itself is disrespecting the players and the tone that really annoyed me in this um press conference was it kind of seemed to be a put up or shut up message to players wanting to speak more externally about about struggles they faced obviously there was a an unnamed player in the um report from fee which is great that they've spoken out um particularly about how they were denied um protein in their in one of their recent um tours but the message was very much oh these are young girls and they'll learn what it's like to be professional and kind of they won't they'll stop doing this and it it really frustrated me that we have their head coach kind of not even he de- then went on to be like oh well if they we're, we're trying to encourage them to come and speak to us about stuff but if you're having a message from your head coach basically being like you'll learn and you'll grow up and you'll you're not you're not speak about stuff I just think it's highly highly concerning and I'll ask you as it's what should be a simple question was there a part of that press conference where any representative of importance said this is disgusting what has come out today and we're really sorry no okay how hard that is just unfathomable to me how that could not have been line number one to to go in there petulantly and argue (laughs) that somehow that they're developing or something it just is mind-boggling to me. Part of it that really frustrated me was he made a lot of reference to it being this is only historic stuff. This is this is historic stuff. Well, firstly, the shorts, the change in the shorts happened what last month, and even if it's happened this year, it's only been four months long. So that's pretty recent. Um, the tour wasn't that long ago. I think the dinner was last month. He's saying, oh, it's all historic, but also didn't say. Yes, it's historic, but we still don't condone it in any way. He was kind of going, oh, well, it happened in the past, so what does that mean? And I think that really frustrated me that there was a a lack of accountability um, for that. And I I don't really know. It was very strange. It kind of seemed like there wasn't a, a messaging from IRFU coming through him. It kind of very much seemed like his personal opinions, which I guess, well, it's good that we know them now because, I mean, my opinion's changed, but... Yeah, very frustrated. I, th- I think that's a very good point that you just mentioned there, Emil, about it didn't seem to be messaging from the Irish, from from the rugby union themselves, coming from him. It was almost as if thought and planning hadn't gone into at least a decent response to this. Um, I think at one point he called, he called the article uh, nearly irrelevant at this stage. Uh, he said, we're moving forward and we've got a great, uh, we've got a great plan and good resources around us just very much dismissing without any I think as you said James without any apology or sort of sincerity given to what had been I suppose put at the at the doorstep of Irish rugby union and I think what's at this point I think it's slightly slightly balancing things out since Greg has come in uh, in 2021 he did allude to uh, numerous uh, new positions being put in, both on the coaching team and consultants for for match weeks themselves, and in the developmental um, process at the Centre of Excellence and whatnot. So, in some aspects, we have seen We have seen investment and attempts of improvement to be made for the Irish women's game, but a few jobs here and there over the course of not even a twenty-four month period is not going 
to tear down toxic pillars that are currently holding up this rugby union. The point you raise there is is pertinent and probably the central pillar of it. And the reason I think that is that investment is should be a is there such thing as post requisite, not prerequisite, but respect should be the prerequisite and then investment because it's 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 not a sufficient condition just to invest in a program. And we've seen this since we started covering the Rugby World Cup, that respect, basic respect is the thing that has to be afforded first. Remember when it was announced that um, one of the women's games was going to be played either at the same time or just before one of the men's games that was happening at the time? Something basically where the, the games were New Zealand weren't going to be on live TV during the, I think, the group stages maybe. And that's just... You can invest into a program, but if you're not <laughs> giving them respect of giving them the airtime, then that is fundamental. And we've seen this again with the issue around shorts. And I remember at the time we we all had a conversation where we sort of went, I mean, it's probably a good thing for the most people who, who want that change to happen. But at the same time, it just felt performative because we already knew that the Irish female players had been offered contracts that amounted to fifteen thousand euros or fifteen thousand pounds. I can't remember. Uh, that required them to be in Dublin, and I think a very small amount of people. I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, eight players ended up on those full-time contracts. So they obviously weren't, you know, conditional to to the needs of those players, and. Yeah, I mean, just before we move on, Emma, I'm just going to quickly run through the other things that were pointed up in this um, article wrote by Fee, and then I'll jump to you. Um, but obviously, the, the comment made at the dinner in Dublin is, is sort of the headline. And then the horror stories around team selection. This is players being missed off emails or not even being told that they'd been dropped for a game. Um Players were refused protein supplements. You mentioned Imogen. I think the story was, you know, after a training session, they asked for supplements, but because it wasn't in a game, outside of a game week, they weren't going to be offered them. And they said, well, if Johnny Sexton wanted some protein, I think he'd probably get some protein. Um, Players were not consulted about the RFU's decision to change the colour of the shorts. We've touched on that. And then finally, contracts as well, refused the uh, option to explore hybrid contracts which is a request made by the players. And every single one of them, I think, has something that, a line that falls through all of them, which is about respect, really. And it's not even to do with money. Sorry, I ranted a lot there. He'd said about, oh, it being historic. So the the protein issue, I think, was um, before they went on tour to Japan. So it was quite an historic event. It was in the off-season. And because it was in the off-season, um, even though they were training, they were taking part in some heavy training. They said, no, it's off-season, you can't have any protein. Which, as you said, if Johnny Sexton said that, um, I don't think he'd be told. He probably wouldn't even have to ask. He'd probably already be provided for him. But, oh, well, back onto the shorts as well. And I think a massive comparison. So when it came out, we thought, oh, that's great. You know, these conversations must be going on in Ireland. They must maybe be having conversations about what the, com- the players feel comfortable in. But this player that came out and spoke said that most of them found out through social media that this change had happened. There had never been a conversation about it, which I think is just trying to mask all of these problems. If you want change to happen, you need to talk to your players. And I think we've spoken about it with 
Scotland with like the names on shirts and things, you have to ask players what they want. And a brilliant example of that, I think, is Wales. And they still play in white shorts because they've had the conversation with their players. They've put in place the resources for them. So they have <clears throat> provided their female players with like period underwear and they've um, helped them track their cycles for kind of um, performance and injury prevention um, purposes. But they feel so well supported and so comfortable that the um, the risk of them leaking on their period is, is not an issue for them. They're happy to play in white shorts which I think is just massive. And Ireland changing the colour of their shorts because that's what they think is right for their players when they haven't even spoken to them and that kind of consideration hasn't even been a conversation. I just think is is frustrating. Jess did a great piece about Wales women and, and how they've been supported in that. And I think that's the way you go about it. You say to your players, right, what, what do you guys want? Do you want more support? Great. Do you still want to play in your right shorts? You do? That's brilliant. Let's crack on. I don't think it should be this conversation that, that is not made up but seeing that announcement I thought oh well they must have been having those conversations and the players must be happy with that but actually it turns out it's all a load of nonsense and they only found out through social media so yeah I'm very frustrated at the moment about it and I think it's it's a shame that we're having to I think Fergus did a tweet about it like the SIU with sexism stuff in Wales stuff in Ireland England's not perfect like it's it seems to be going on all over the place and it's it's quite bleak at the moment actually to be to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to England with some kicking stuff shortly. I mean, those three unions, Scotland, Wales and Ireland, are just, just just a disgrace at the moment in terms of, I think, James, you've been banging on about it. Just the respect, the respect that the players deserve isn't there. And I think when you mentioned, when you were discussing Wales there, Imel, I think what was quite interesting was it just made me reflect back to some of the things that Warren Gatland was saying when the allegations first came out about sexism and the harassment allegations directed at the WRU and the launch of the Six Nations and his response when he turned around and said something along the lines of oh well it's it, it wasn't happening whilst I was there I, I wasn't aware of it not coming out and saying these are ghastly allegations um we've got to do everything that we possibly can to investigate this to the to the fullest sort of extent. And it was a similar sort of answer, I felt, Imo, in the press conference that we had this afternoon with uh, with Greg McWilliams. It, was, it, it wasn't holding his union accountable and it wasn't actually looking out for the best interests of his players. No, I don't think so at all. I think... Yeah, that, that's two examples, again, of white men in significant positions of privilege within those unions that haven't made a stand at all. And they've just kind of flippantly blown off. He said many times today, I'm not being flippant, but he was. And he was quite often just talking about himself. And I think that is what really frustrated me is he couldn't look beyond him as a coach and think, actually, this is about my players and this is about real people that you know, their livelihoods are being affected by the way they've been treated by their unions. Same with, um, you know, in, in with the Welsh employees as well. And I think it's just incredibly frustrating for me that these women are banging on the door trying to get people to stand up for them. It shouldn't be them having to stand up for themselves all the time. They should be people in those positions that are going to back them and they're going to carry them forward. And I think that's something that is just incredibly frustrating when you look at the situations they've got they haven't got the head coach on their side saying, you know what, we need to change, we'll sort it out. He said a lot about 
oh, you know, we'll do better and players can come to us. But if you're going to spend a whole press conference sitting there and saying what he has, I don't think as a, if I was a player and he was my head coach, I don't think I'd be encouraged to, to speak out. Yeah, I think it's so easy to fall into the trap where you go, uh, well, it's pretty difficult for him to ask, answer those questions um, about an issue that is probably far more deep rooted and likely to be somewhat institutional. But at the same time, I'm, I, you shouldn't feel any sympathy for him because he's part of that system. And he is obviously being being the head coach of a women's team doesn't automatically make you non-complicit to the things that are going on. You know, case in point, you've got to if you're not going to come out and say, "I'm sorry that this has happened," I, I just don't understand. I'm going to ask a, a, a question that, to you both, and I'll start with you, Ferg. Where the hell do we go from here? Um, that is a very good question, James, and. Just so long, so that we don't have dead air at the moment, I'm going to start answering with the point I was going to come in with and then hopefully arrive at an answer to your question. And the point that I was going to bring in was at, at one stage, um, I suppose, at one stage, Greg was asked, is Irish rugby union sexist? And he came out and he said, no, it's, it's, it's not a sexist organisation. But I think we have read enough and hard enough that 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 that's not a true answer that it's not correct and to say to say it's not sexist i think is just blind ignorance to what is actually going on in the organization at the moment and um, particularly when you have such high profile people saying such terrible things about about the women's game then of course there is there is there is sexism arrive in in the union at the moment and i think to answer the question that you finally posed to me because i think i've come up with an answer james i think it starts with it starts with elevating and it it starts with first of all i think making creating an environment for players in which they actually feel comfortable to raise their concerns and and to make them or to make them feel like they don't have to go to a newspaper to 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 express their horror stories as to, to what's actually going on there needs to be a culture created and it sounds like what um whales are starting to do at the moment is is create that sort of positive culture where you can talk openly about things like periods and menstrual cycles i mean what a what a step from whales to do that i mean uh, and to actually have those open conversations with men, because having those kind of conversations with men about periods, it's a it's a very difficult step. And if you're not even having those kind of conversations, well, God knows what they're what they're talking about, quite frankly. So you've got to create those safe environments first of all. But then, in terms of the investment that's going into it, there's got to be the investment, but there's also got to be the respect and taking care of the little things, as as we've talked about as well. Um, probably a public inquiry as well. I mean, I hate public inquiries. I think a huge amount of money is wasted on public inquiries, but there probably needs to be one. Emma, you um obviously speak for all women <laughs> as a woman. That's a joke. Um, That's a joke. So <laughs> Just to be clear, that is a joke. It's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Inside joke, before I get before I get cancelled. Um, 
But in, in, in all seriousness, we've had this conversation so many times and we've gone, yeah, we'll look over the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years and women's rugby has grown exponentially. But when we have these conversations, you obviously always arrive at the point where you go, yeah, but why is it that people don't respect women's rugby or you know, sort of women's sports people in the same way that they do sports men? And I just wondered, how are you reflecting on this? I don't want to say like as a woman, but you know what I mean? You know what the point I'm getting Yeah, no, definitely. I think we spoke about it during the World Cup. I don't think it was on the podcast or not. And it's kind of a point I want to bring up again. In the World Cup, I said it's frustrating that when there was that clash between the New Zealand games, you didn't really see any of the All Blacks coming out and say, look, not watch the Black Ferns, but, you know, it's in our country, let's watch it. I can almost put that to one side at the moment and say... I want the Irish men's players to come out and say, this is not okay. We don't want to represent a union that treat our female team like that. In whatever union it's taking place. And I, I think the male players really need to look at themselves and go, you know, Ireland men are a Grand Slam champions. They, they do, they've done exceptionally well. The, the Twitter bio for Irish rugby is like, Grand Slam champions, that's brilliant, well done. But when you look at the stark contrast between that men's team and their women's team, I think the men really need to look at themselves and go, we need to use our platform here to help get the women the support they deserve. Because I think this is just going to carry on if we don't have people, you know, the women are standing up for themselves. They're doing all they can to raise this awareness and nothing's happening. And I think it's going to stay like that until we have everyone going, no, this is not okay. I think you know, the work that Fee's done is absolutely brilliant in highlighting it and, and it's it's been all over Twitter today. It's been really great to see the support, but that needs to be from within as well. It can't just be from, like, women banging on this door that seems to be constantly closed of, please give us some support. And I think, you know, Ireland Rugby Union was said to be kind of like a an a old man's club. Well, let's let their most influential team have them come out and, and say their thoughts on it and really support them because I think that would have a massive impact. I think we do need to start speaking up a lot more and being a lot more supportive um, because it will only go so far if it's the players doing it and if it's it's the fans because we already know that they don't really respect their their players and ultimately that probably equates to the fans because they're not, they're not the same crowds that you get at a men's match but we need to start having this as a general conversation and not just that's a women's game let's move on how great are the men the men should be going how shit is your treatment of the women basically I think that's something I've kind of been thinking of I think where where we need to go from is yeah it does need to be investigated it needs to be looked at but also we need so much more support from those influential characters that have been pretty silent um for quite a few years now I think you've touched on Ireland's men being Grand Slam champions. Let's not forget, it's not that long ago that the Irish women were Grand Slam champions. They were the best team in the Six Nations, and yet all of them in recent years have overtaken them and left this Irish team behind in the dirt. And that seems to be all right with the Irish Union at the moment. Only now, once everyone is, is everyone giving their players professional contracts is Ireland sort of waking up and going, oh, well, we'd better do something similar, I suppose. But not nearly on the same scale. I think it's it's 17 players in the Irish team at the moment have contracts. Scotland have got, have got 28. And I just think it, it shows that 
disrespect almost for this team that you had this brilliant, brilliant product that went out and and beat everyone in, in, in the Six Nations and you just let it disintegrate. And I think that just about sums the whole thing up. Yeah, I think we've we've managed to sort of touch on most of the bases there. It's just exasperating and it's performative. And I wish we didn't have to talk about this. I guess the one thing that if there's any way to put a positive spin on this is that thank God these conversations are happening now. Thank God that we can sort of be a part of it and watch it because hopefully once this conversation happens is the time when things change. Um, and a lot of them seem to be happening at the moment in sport, in rugby, and particularly in women's rugby. Um, but I think if anything, it's a sign that 10 years down the line, there will obviously still be problems. There'll still be sexism. There'll still be knobheads. But um, hopefully some of these issues will begin to be resolved. And uh, onto a cheerier note, um, what was going to be the topic of our podcast today uh, were some comments that were made earlier in the week by our good friend um not friend of the pod though just uh simon middleton um who in short earlier said in the week or made the suggestion that perhaps women's kickers uh, in the union game should be kicking closer to the posts um again i'll open the doors Imo. I'm sure you've got plenty to say. Only last week, week before. No, it wasn't Fallow Week. It was a couple of weeks ago. Simon Middleton was saying um, in a press conference that, you know, women's rugby is in its infancy and in kind of freshness. Kicking is a closed skill which requires like hours and hours of practice to perfect it. Um, so once we're now further into line, once that continues, that freshness, that time that women can dedicate to kicking continues and their kicking will ultimately improve. Holly Aitchen as well. They've had a kicking coach come into camp about four weeks ago, must be about six weeks ago now, um, that completely stripped back her technique. She used to kick off a PE cone. Um, he's completely changed the way she goes about it. So obviously she is very much in her infancy in this new approach she has to kicking don't have your coach come out and say oh well I you know I don't think women have got you know the boot on it and stuff pretty much to to get over the post I was like what are you on about you know Emma Singh is one of the best kickers in the country at the moment he's got her in the England team she landed some pretty long-range kicks at the weekend at the weekend when England played Italy um I just think it was a bit bit odd really and I also really enjoyed Rugby World Cup's um shithousery tweet of women kicking from the sidelines it made my day 110 seconds of women slotting sideline conversions was was peak content and whoever edited that together on the day and posted that must have had a right giggle when they hit <laughs> when they hit post because they knew exactly what was going to happen uh Fergus I let you have a word on this what were, what were your initial reactions I just think what a stupid thing to say. And I, I think... I love I think, it when you say stupid. Stupid. I think much like the red, like a, a portion of the internet, and I'm sure yourselves, but I wouldn't dare speak for yourselves. I, I, I speak for me. I, I thought it was a joke when, it, when he said it. Oh, well, let's just... Like, you're the head coach of the best rugby team in the country, and 
basically you're saying that your players aren't good enough to take sideline kicks. It's effectively what you're doing. You want it brought in because your player, you think your players can't do it. I mean, what a, what a way to go and instill confidence and faith in in your players and and to get parity with the um, with the men's game about either like going eighty minutes or like I don't just just playing rugby like oh honestly and but do you know what I really like actually and then I should be quiet otherwise I'm really going to say something I'm going to regret but what I really like is the fact that we've got the England players or or, or players in the English game like Florence Williams actually saying stuff about this um and actually saying actually do you know what I don't agree with this um I I like these players have opinions that they're wanting to share and good on them for going out and sharing them and and highlighting this and actually adding to this discourse because I think um I was on LinkedIn earlier and I saw Shauna Brown um commented on someone's post um kind of saying well if we're in this stage of infancy let's give it I don't know this is just coming from me now give it give it 10 years and then we can see where we're at see if that if that time they've been able to dedicate to kicking has improved has improved the the length on kicks and then we can make a decision I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it because it may be an issue that goes into future and at the moment none of us have a crystal ball and we'll be able to tell but I do highly suspect as Simon Middleton said a few weeks ago that it's only going to improve with that time you can dedicate to it um but it's great that we're having conversations but I also think where do you draw the line then does it we need to make the pitches smaller we need to I don't know we're going to end up playing touch rugby at this point if we're going to be making all of these differences um and I just don't think you know there have been calls for female players playing with smaller balls I think obviously I'm going to flip-flop on what I said in our live show but you know this could be a great a great adaptation that's not drastically different from the men's if you are a fan going to a men's game and then you go to the women's and you go why are they kicking from a different place it just it just makes a massive disconnect that I don't think is necessary but then in 10 years if it is necessary then great we'll look at it again and we'll we'll reassess the needs but I think right now especially with him saying all this about kicking a few weeks ago just give them time you've brought in kicking coaches to help improve them let them improve them and then we shall see I think on the point of there's a comparison between the smaller ball argument and the shorter kicking argument I personally think they're completely different because one kicking is not about how big your leg muscle is how good you are at kicking <laughs> I mean is uh, Manu Tuolangi a better kicker than George Ford because he's got a big, better, bigger leg? No, he's not because George Ford is more skillful at kicking. And the reason he's skillful at kicking is because he's been taught, well, for him, probably from the age of 15 or 16, in a professional way how to kick. It's hardly surprising that suddenly when England players have become professional now that their kicking coaching is becoming professionalised as well. The difference with the small ball argument is you having all females having smaller hands is nothing to do with skill. It's just biology. So that's why I always, it sort of always made sense to me, the smaller ball thing. But I also totally understand the argument where you don't want there to be differences. But ultimately what would happen with the small ball thing is it would probably be a big headline once and then you'd never talk about it again. It's not like before every game, there'd be Nick Heath 
who of course a friend of the pod now is going and of course these women will be playing with a size four today which makes them you know this is this game means less because they're playing with a size four you know I think on that as well you know a, a change in ball as you said would be something that would you'd notice once and then it would just be a rugby ball but when we look at kicking changing the whole place of where women take them will be a massive difference is it something we need to look at are they wearing boots designed for male rugby players are they using tees designed for male rugby players I don't know if there's a massive difference but actually looking at those smaller changeable variables including the the kicking coaches on offer and the provision you know you said about Manu Tuolangi there and George Ford that comparison if Manu spent as long as George had kicking he'd probably be brilliant as well but it's one of those things it's a you know closed skill it's not affected by the environment you can stand and practice it for ages but if you've been spending most of your career working a job alongside playing rugby, practicing your kicking isn't going to be the thing you might be spending the most of your time on. As I said, give it 10 years, professional, completely professional teams, we might see a change. And I think, yeah, look at those small variables of what, what we can do to help that, you know, look at boots, look at things like that and move forward from there rather than going, let's completely change how the game is played because I just, I don't agree with it. Yeah, I can I couldn't agree with you more. And exactly on the point you just said, the point of that is looking at those var- variables. Is that yeah, those variables haven't been looked at yet because we're at such an early stage. So absolutely, before you make the drastic decision to fundamentally change where women kick it from, it just like like it really baffles me considering his comments, like you were saying, Emo, two weeks, three weeks ago, where he's saying it's in his infancy and now he's changed his tune, but. Hey ho. Well, that was uh, fun, somewhat, guys. Thank you for joining me on on what is actually a very important discussion to have. Uh, I hope anybody listening has got their own opinions, got their own thoughts on what we've said. I mean, we've sort of come together with a lot of a lot of thoughts on our minds and and tried to put something across to you guys. But thank you very much for listening to the TW Two Rugby Pod. Uh, and of course, before we go, we just want to say we give a fuck about women's rugby. We'll see you next time in the TW2.